building character for eternity. Is that what we're doing? Are we building character today? We are. We are building character, and it's either being built for eternal life or eternal death. We're building character for eternity. What a thought. What a privilege God has given to us. What an opportunity that we can be building character for eternal life. Eternal life with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is that good news? Is it believable to you today? Do you really believe Jesus is coming soon? What a privilege we have to serve the God of this universe. And I want to talk today about building character for eternal life. You know, the Bible, in the very beginning, only got six chapters into the story of humanity. And you know what God had to say? Six, think about this, six chapters into the very beginning of it all. This Bible's pretty thick, isn't it? You know how many pages six chapters takes in Genesis? Six chapters into it. Here's what God said. Verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That wasn't very far into this world's history. The wickedness of man was great. Every imagination... Well, you know, I decided to look that up because for a long time, those words, that verse, you know what I thought of? I thought of really wicked people. Really wicked people. You know the kinds of people that you can conjure up in your mind? And I don't want to be graphic with the young children here. But really wicked people. And I wasn't, I wasn't a wicked person. I didn't always do God's will, but... You know, friends, there are going to be wicked people at the end of time, and there's going to be righteous people at the end of time. There's not going to be people in between sitting on the fence. And so I looked up this word, imagination, every imagination of the thoughts. It says it's the act or the power of forming mental images of what is not present. Now, do you know that we're doing that every day? Everybody in this room, young and old, are doing things with our imagination, forming images in our minds. And God saw that the images people were forming in their minds, the thoughts that they were having, were only evil continually. And you know, the scary thing is, is that people right here in this room, professing Christians, can be forming imaginations in the mind that not even your spouse knows, that your parents don't know that your children don't know. Images that reveal the character that is in the heart, the real character. You see, the Bible says in Proverbs 20, 23, excuse me, verse 7, he, he, as he thinketh, as who thinketh? As he or she thinketh in their heart, so what? That's, that's how we are. That's who we really are. What's going on in our minds is who we really are. Not just what we look like on the outside or 
Some of the things that we may say in the right settings are, it's what's going on in the mind. Do you know what makes up our moral character? It's the thoughts and the feelings that are combined that make up our moral character. Did you know that? That's who we are. That's our character. The thoughts and the thoughts gender feelings. And when we accept those thoughts as ours and we accept those feelings as ours, that makes our moral character in that moment. That is who we are. That's why a man can become a murderer. Do you know that? That's a terrible thing, isn't it? That's how a man can become a murderer, can take someone's life, because in that moment, their thoughts turn to feelings, maybe feelings of anger. And those feelings and those thoughts connected to make the character of that person change. And in that moment of time, they become a murderer. And that was happening back in this day, this wickedness in the earth. But many times people's thoughts and feelings don't turn them into that. But nonetheless, it's changing our character of who we really are. You see, we need to recognize today that we live in the same kind of world that was Noah's day. Do you believe that? We live in a very wicked world. But that wicked world isn't our concern right now. What our concern is, is what's going on in our own thoughts? Because our thoughts and our feelings are our character. That's who we really are. You see, there are people that can look very good at church. They can dress right. They can eat right. They can make the right impression on people at church. But... What is their real character at home? What does their wife or their husband know about them? You see, a man can make a good impression in the public image, but be a tyrant in the home. A woman can have all the social graces You know, we come across a lot of people in this ministry that pour out their hearts to us. And one woman that we knew, she was a perfectionist, if you will, in her social graces, in her dress, how she looked in her public appearance. But that woman was just totally a slob in her home. Totally. It was a terrible curse to her. She just had to look good. She had to dress good. She had to make the right impression. Everybody thought she was just... But her home was like a different world because her real character was what was going on in her thoughts and in her emotions. That became her character. Who are we today? Are we wicked people today? Or are we allowing ourselves to be changed by the righteousness of Jesus Christ? We are living in the last days, friends. Young people, children, youth, teenagers, are you living an honest life in your home? Are you really who your parents think you are? Are you really being honest in your heart? 
Or are you a different character when you're in your bedroom alone without your parents? Are you doing things privately behind the backs of your parents, but you know that that wouldn't be approved of, and so you try to look good and do the things you need to in worship? What is your real character? Oh, parents, we need to be asking these questions, taking inventory. Are we just going through the motions of the Christian experience, having family worship, and I hope we are, but what's going on in the real heart life experience, in the mind? This is the character that we are. You see, God saw the character of man, and he saw that it was wicked. And what did God do? There was a flood, a flood that destroyed mankind from the earth. But in Genesis 6.14 it said, These were the instructions to Noah, make thou an ark. Make what? Make an ark. What did Noah do? Did he build? Did he build the ark? For 120 years, Noah built the ark. And Hebrews 11.7 says, By faith, the same faith that you and I need to exercise, by faith. Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet. It means it hadn't rained yet. Noah moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Who got on that boat? Just his family. Now that's tragic that that's the only response that there was, but praise God that his family got on the ark. By which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by what? Faith. Do we need that faith today? Do we need it in our character development process? We need that faith because the things that God is asking us to do today are just as difficult sometimes as building an ark for Noah when it hadn't rained. And if we are not willing to exercise the faith, friends, we're not going to be prepared. It's interesting that Noah gave the world an example of believing just what God says. All that he possessed, everything that Noah possessed, what did he do with it? He invested it in the ark building process. He believed God's plan by faith. He did exactly what God asked him to do by faith. And he invested everything he had to do it by faith. So how does that experience apply to us today? It says in Luke 17, 26, that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Are we in those days? I believe we are in those days. Can you see the signs around us? Can you see the signs in lives of people? Can you see the signs in your own life? Is God taking inventory of our lives? You see, there's another storm coming. This time, Daniel 12, verse 1 says that the storm that's coming is a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. 
even till that same time. And at that time, thy people, who are thy people? Do you want to be one of those people? Thy people? Thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book of life. The question is, are our names written in the book of life? Every person that ever confesses Jesus as Lord of their life gets written in the book of life. The question is, will our names be retained in the book of life? You see, either our sins will be blotted out forever to be remembered no more, or our names will be blotted out of the book of life. Isn't that a solemn thought, friends? And that judgment is going on now. And that's not to create fear in us because do you know that the fear of hell or the hope of heaven, neither one will be enough of an impetus, enough of a motivation to cause us to go one way or the other. The fear of hell or the hope of heaven, neither of those is enough stimulation to the spiritual mind to make us go that direction. But it's happening now, friends. We are living in that time now. And when that time of trouble begins, that time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, I want my name and the names of my children and my wife written, found in the book of life. And it won't happen by accident. It will happen by choices. One choice at a time. One faith decision at a time. Just like it did for Noah. But the devil doesn't want us to to be involved in those kind of decisions. He doesn't want us to be preserved. So what is the ark that we need to build today to be preserved through this storm like Noah was preserved through his? We have another ark to build, don't we? Think about it. What ark do we have to build? The ark of character. Okay? Now someone might say to me, well, we're not saved by character. That's true. We are not saved by character. But let me ask you, was Noah saved by the ark? This is not a trick question. (laughs) Noah was not saved by the ark. Thank you for being brave. (laughs) Those are hard questions sometimes, you know. Noah was not saved by the ark. He was saved by the grace of God. But let me tell you something. If Noah hadn't built the ark, we wouldn't be reading this story. Because Noah would not have been a man of faith. And Noah would not have gained the righteousness that comes by faith. Because Noah built the ark just like God asked him to, and Noah went into the ark. But it was the angels of God, it was the spirit of the Almighty God that preserved Noah through the storm because we're told that the storm was so fierce that even Satan himself trembled for his existence and that had it not been for the special intervention of God and his angels, that ark would have been torn to pieces by the fury of the storm. The ark was what God chose to carry Noah through the storm in. 
And it's our characters, brothers and sisters. It's our characters, young people, that God will allow us to go through the storm with. It will become the character of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the ark we need to build today. We're in that process. I, I believe we're all in that process or we wouldn't even be here tonight. We've made those choices. We need to continue to make those choices. You see, we need to be like Noah and say, I believe God's plan and I'm willing to do whatever God asks me to do by faith and I'm willing to invest whatever God asks me to invest to have that experience to build that ark of character. But are we willing to do that? Are we willing to do that? You see, part of that plan, part of that plan in our fast-paced world today is country living. Did you know that? Part of that plan that God has for us is country living. That message is not outdated no more than this word of God is outdated. Now, it has become an unpopular message today. But that doesn't mean it's outdated. Country living is still God's plan for his people. And while I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, neither am I ashamed to say to you today, country living is a part of God's plan for building character for eternity. Now, having said that, does that mean that only those who are living in the country will be saved? Okay? Just as we are not saved by building a character, and just as Noah was not saved by a boat, we are not saved by living in the country. In fact, I know, I, I know far more people where I live in Montana that don't care a thing about country living. They just happen to be there at that address in the beautiful mountains. It has nothing to do with character development. Just a beautiful spot to live their indulgent lives. So where we live really isn't the answer. It's God has a purpose for where we live and how we live in that setting. Country living, not living a city lifestyle in a country setting is part of God's plan. Many people have mixed up country living just like they've mixed up many of the reforms. Country living is simply a tool. It's one of God's tools that makes, that makes character development an easier process. Do you understand the difference? It's not a mandate. It's one of God's tools, just like health reform is part of God's tool bag. Okay? It doesn't mean that the thief on the cross really understood health reform, does it? Did he? No, we don't have any indication of that. But... For those of us that have the choices where we are today, we can eat more healthfully and make better decisions as a result, can't we? We can live in a better environment and live healthier, happier lives as a result. But just simply eating differently, even if it's all the right foods, will not change our character. Living in the country will not change our character. 
because the grass is not greener on the other side, right? No, but that lifestyle, the true country living lifestyle, where our desire is to take time with God, to take time to be holy, to take time to allow God to give His perspective on our lives, to take inventory of our lives, to clear ourselves of the pressures of a debt load, to clear ourselves of the things that have plagued our conscience to be still long enough to know that he is God. These all provide for us the opportunity to come closer to God, to recognize our need, and to let God become the answer to that need. That's what happens if we're really living country living. Now I know people because we've met many people over the years and I know people today who they have tried to live the city lifestyle in the country setting. And all it does is complicates their lives. It means that they have to drive farther to do the things they still want to do that the city provides. It means that they have to pay more money to do the things that they like for entertainment. It means that their life gets more and more complicated. You see, when we left the suburbs of Chicago... We didn't look for a place that we could duplicate our lifestyle. We looked for a place that would simplify our lifestyle, that would give us more time. My wife told me, she said, Honey, I'm willing to live in a tent. And we did live in a little trailer for eight months. She said, I'm willing to live in a tent if I can have more of you. She said, I don't need more money. I need more time with you. She said, I'm willing to trade. I'm willing to get rid of whatever we need to get rid of. I'm willing to simplify our lives if it means you won't have to be out of the home so much to make money to keep up with our lifestyle. Isn't that a good trade-off? And she was serious about that. And so, even when I got involved in real estate, I could have made a lot more money than I made in real estate But I chose to live a simpler life and just earn the money that we needed to live the life God was calling us to. People say, what do you mean a simple life? You have to go out and cut down trees. You cook on a wood cook stove. You have to split the wood. And I still told Paul the other day, I still split my wood by hand and I'm going to do it that way until I get too tired or too old or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Till Josiah leaves. <laughs> no, I do split my wood. You can ask Josiah. He helps me, but people say that's not simple. All I have to do is turn a dial. And it just comes on. That's simple. I said, No, it's not. Because I can tell you all the things you have to do to turn the dial. All the costs that are involved. And I can tell you that because of the things that I do to make my wood stove work, I have time with my son that I wouldn't trade for any amount of money in the world. When I'm out in the woods with my son, I have days out there with him cutting those trees, splitting that wood, and we have time for heart-to-heart communication. If all I do is turn the dial... That means I have to work lots more hours 
and have no time for my children, no time for my wife, and I can turn the dial, and I have all the dollars I need to, to cover it. <laughs> but I like having the time with my son. And so I can get a cord of wood for $5, and that lasts an average of one month in my house. That's pretty good. It's pretty inexpensive, isn't it? And while I'm splitting that wood, while I'm cutting that wood, while I'm loading that wood, I have time with my son. We've had some beautiful times. That's just one simple example of the simple life. Now, we don't live like, uh, I mean, <laughs> one person came to our house and they, they said, Oh, you've got an inside toilet? <laughs> <laughs> This message is not to describe where we live. You can look at our photo album. But we do have, if you come to our house, even though we have alternative energy, you would not know it unless I showed it to you because everything in our house works just like other people's houses. When you turn the light switch on, the lights come on. Okay, Refrigerator runs by electricity. It's just coming from a hydroelectric system and solar panels instead of the grid. So it saves me money. Save thousands of dollars. But simplifying the life is part of slowing down the life to be still and have time for the Lord. My mother, it was really hard for my mother when we moved away because we lived a couple miles from my mother in the suburbs of Chicago, Hinsdale, big Adventist hospital there. And when we moved, it was very difficult for my mother. And she accepted it, but it was hard for her. But one day, I was outside, and I was working with a chainsaw. And it was kind of a wintry day, and I sat down, I shut the chainsaw off, and I was just going to relax a little bit. And suddenly I heard this... I didn't know what it was. This strange ticking sound, and it was coming all around me. And I'm looking around, looking around, and suddenly I realized that there were snowflakes hitting my coat, all over my coat, and it was making a ticking sound. I'd never heard snowflakes hit me before. Now, that was, I, have to, I don't use this word very often, but it was an awesome experience for me because it was so quiet. It is so quiet where we live that you can hear the silence. And I heard the snowflakes. And I was sitting there just thinking about how wonderful this was. I'd never heard a sound like this before. And a bird flew over and it was going... And I looked up and I said, Thank you, God. I live here in this quiet place. And I told my mother that story. And she said, I'll never question again why God led you out there. You see, that for my mother, that story embodied something that she could never grasp. Because I would talk to her about, you know, I just want to have a quiet place where I can seek the Lord and walk with God the way Enoch walked with God. I want to quiet my life down. I want to dedicate my life to my to my God and my, my wife and my children. I want to be ready when Jesus comes. I want my children to be ready to receive the crown of life. And when she heard that story, it just somehow struck her as the essence of 
be still and know that I am God. And that's what country living is all about, friends. That's what God is asking us to do. Get our minds quieted down enough that He can get through to us. I hear people say to me, well, I don't hear God speak to me. I don't believe that, friends. God gets through to every person's conscience. And the voice of God is simply the voice of conscience in our souls. Now it's true that we've dulled them. We've ignored the conscience. We've, we've been in too loud of situations that quiet down the conscience. But none of us will be able to have any excuses that we just didn't know. We just couldn't hear. But you know Lot? Lot stayed in Sodom, didn't he? And do you know that Lot was called a righteous man? That's what the Bible says. He had a righteous character. That means that I would expect that Lot will be in the kingdom of heaven. He had a righteous character. But he stayed in Sodom. And you know what it did to his mind? It dumbed him down so much that he really didn't understand how bad the lifestyle was for his children. It got him down to the point where two strangers come in and he's willing to do what I, by God's grace, would never do, trade his own daughter for two strangers in the wickedness of Sodom. I praise God that the angels, those two strangers, took matters into their own hands. But what does that tell you about Lot? Here, here's my daughter. I want to protect these two strangers that are in my house. Where was his mind dulled down to? And then, had it not been for those two angels, you know where he would have ended up? Left in Sodom, reasoning it away, thinking, today? I mean, is it really that bad? And he was taken up by the hands, wasn't he? Because he had a lingering spirit. And he lingered long enough that he lost his wife. She turned into a pillar of salt. I can't imagine that, can you? Can you imagine what it would be like to have your wife turn into a pillar of salt? I mean, it wasn't a temporary situation. That was there for a monument to Saul's spirit to linger. Country living, friends, is an environment. It's a tool that God gives to us to prepare us for eternal life. It's ten times harder, ten times harder to educate our children in the city suburban lifestyle. Ten times harder. So then let's put it on the positive side. It's ten times easier in a country setting. (laughs) Right? And it is. I found it to be the case, definitely. Because our minds get more attuned to God. We get more sensitive to the Spirit. And therefore things become clearer to us than they did to Lot when he was there in the midst of Sodom. Country living, character development, building a character for eternity. You see, I have no burden for any of you here tonight that this means that God's will for you is that you pack your bags and leave camp and move to the country before you ever get home. I have no burden to say that God is telling you that you must make an impetuous, hasty move. But I'm telling you this. 
that it's easier to develop character in a country setting than it is in a city lifestyle. And if you're willing, when I became willing to do God's will, really willing to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I started understanding why God wanted me to move to the country. It may not be time for you. I thought it was time when I made my decision. I said, let's go. Let's put the sign in the yard. And we stuck the sign in the yard and we said, let's go. My poor wife was saying, Lord, please. Yeah, not, not so fast. Well, that sign sat in the yard and that one was pulled out and the realtor sign was stuck in the yard and it took 10 months. God knew the timing for us. God had a purpose for that 10 months of waiting on him to help us prepare for that move. But are you willing? Are you willing to do what Noah did? Noah got the message about an ark. And I don't know what Noah said because we don't know all the communication, but we know this. Whether he ever argued with the Lord or whether he had doubts about building an ark when it had never rained, we know that he built the ark, didn't he? And he built it for 120 years. And during that whole 120 years, he was scoffed. He was mocked. He was derided. He was called a fanatic for that whole 120 years. And I've experienced some of that. And it doesn't feel very good. I had people telling me I was crazy to take my little children, a three-month-old baby, out to the country. Not just the country, to Montana. How can you do this? Leaving all your security. I didn't have a lot of the answers then. I just said, I'm doing the best I understand for what God's telling me to do. One day at a time. And this is what he's asking me to do. And this is what his word says to me. And this is why I'm doing it. All your children will rebel. They can't live in that kind of environment. Well, it's a lot easier to talk about it 17 years later. And I say it with humility of heart and thankfulness that my children love me and love God. They love me. They love my wife. They respect us. They honor us. And they honor God. And that I praise God for. That's not because of country living. That's because of God. But God is the one who asked us to go to that setting. And when we went there, we received the blessings that God had in store for us there. So I don't know what God's asking you to do, but I would say consider that country living is still a very important part of God's plan for his people today, no matter how busy your life may be. You see, God wants us to be like Noah, to believe what he says by faith, even though it's it's not raining out there when Noah starts the ark, to believe by faith that even though the world says you can get a lot more done in the city, by faith we can do what God is asking us to do. And that by faith we're willing to invest all. And you know the first investment is our hearts, friends. If there's somebody out here tonight that's unwilling to get down on your knees and say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. And I'm willing to give up whatever you ask me to give up. If we're unwilling to do that, friends, 
That means that we are afraid to trust God with our entire lives. And if that's where we are, we're not ready to go through the storm. Because when we go through the storm, we need to go through the storm with God or we will not come through it successfully. So, if you're afraid to to ask God that question or to give God that commitment, if you're afraid tonight, then don't be discouraged and don't give up because God is able to change even that attitude if you're willing. And if you're not willing, God is willing to make you willing if you want to be made willing. And if you're not willing to be made willing, then why do you profess to be a Christian serving the God of the universe? God is willing to do whatever he needs to do to change our corrupt hearts, to give us his spirit, to work in us, to will and to do of his good pleasure if we are willing to let him have all of us. Well, it needs to work, first in the home. You see, one of the things I love about Noah's story, about his character-building story, is that while everybody else mocked him, while everybody else called him crazy, fanatic, what did his children say to him? Were they working with him on the ark? Right there beside him. And when it came time for the door to be opened and Noah went in. Who went in with him? You see, friends, the message to me today is that I don't care if people think I'm crazy. I don't care if people think I'm, you know, foolish. Now, believe me, we can make fools of ourselves not for Christ. We can, we can have extreme views that are not for Christ. But I'm talking about doing as Noah did and doing what God is asking us to do and doing it in the spirit of Jesus Christ. I don't care if the world and even the church thinks I'm crazy if my children are ready to go into the ark when Jesus comes. That's what matters, friends. I want my children to receive the crown of life Don't you? I want to receive the crown of life. I want others to know and serve the Jesus that I'm coming to know and love and serve. But it won't happen by accident, friends. It won't happen by accident. If you don't want your children to reject your religion, if you don't want your children or your wife to reject your character-building process, then we better make sure that we're building according to God's plans, not our own. Not the human devisings, because those will be shattered. You see, the reason that Noah's children went into the ark is because Noah practiced what he preached. In his home, Noah lived behind closed doors what he preached for 120 years with a hammer. He lived it behind closed doors. Now, did Noah make mistakes? Did Noah sin? Did he? Okay. But was Noah transformed? 
Was Noah changed by the grace of God? Noah lived his Christianity in his home and his children and his wife went into the ark with him because they loved and respected him. And they believed the God that he was serving was the God that would take care of them when the flood came. And they were all in there and they were all waiting and they all had a testing time for seven days before it started to rain. Well, God has given us those opportunities in the little things of life, you know? The little crises that we face in life. I remember one day, I called David. I wanted to talk with Ron at the propane company because I'd worked with Ron before. But as circumstances would have it, Ron was gone, and so I didn't know David. I wasn't comfortable with him, didn't know how trustworthy he was, but I needed a special line put in at the home that Josiah and a couple of our friends had been building for my dad. A special propane line that would go under the concrete. So I explained it all to David. I said we needed a one-inch line, and he, he assured me that he, he would take care of it. He wouldn't do it himself, but he'd give the message to Ron. I didn't know how reliable David was. Well, anyway, <clears throat> I went over it with him twice, and we went on a ministry trip and came back, and Josiah came home one evening after we got home, and he said, Father, they put in a half-inch line. Concrete's going to be poured tomorrow. Oh, half-inch line. The concrete's going to be poured tomorrow. I need a one-inch line. And I told David I needed a one-inch line. And he was supposed to tell Ron. You know how the mind works? Do you understand how the mind works? (laughs) Oh, the range of feelings that started going on inside of me. The concrete's going to be poured tomorrow. So this is the evening, early evening. I picked up the phone. I thought I might still be able to get a hold of Ron at the propane company. And I got their answering machine. Their office hours were, they were closed. Couldn't get my answer. And the Lord is calling to my heart. What is the Lord calling to my heart for? <laughs> because I am taking the burden of the half-inch line that I say God should carry that burden, right? Now I'm taking the burden. And what I feel tempted to do is to go, to get Josiah, go over to the property and dig up. Dig it up. I mean, if I have to stay there for hours, dig it up. (laughs) I can't have that half-inch line under there. But then I realized that, well, I still don't have a one-inch line and they're pouring the concrete tomorrow. I can't solve it. And the Lord is calling to my heart. Well, I tell you, I have a closet in my house. I went into my closet and I got down on my knees. You ever wrestled with the Lord? Now, I'm sharing this with you because this is a very simple experience. It's, it's where we live our real lives, friends. These are the little crises that will really reveal, are we trusting God? Are we going to take this into our fretful, anxious? The Lord called to me, called to my heart to yield a willing submission to trust that he is able to take care of the situation. Oh, but Lord, half-inch line. I mean, it's a half-inch line. And I got down on my knees in that closet. This is where it takes faith when it hasn't rained, friends. This is where it takes faith that God 
can deal with me. Because whether they pour the concrete or not, the issue is me, right? The character development needs to be here. The half-inch line is just another set of circumstances, like another page in the news. You understand what I mean? It's just another circumstance. But what about me? Is God getting through to me? Or is it the same weakness being played out every time? And so I went in there on my knees and I yielded myself to God without knowing the solution. All God was asking me to do was rest in Him. That's all. Just rest. I couldn't go dig it up. I couldn't get another line. All I could do was rest in the Lord. So the choice in this situation, and it's the same one you face, is will I rest? Will I rest or will I carry it? And will I toss and turn? Will I fret? Will I think of another half a dozen possible ways to deal with this? Will I call the concrete place and what will I do? And I said, Lord, I'm willing to rest in you. That's all God is bringing us to because you know, when he gets us to the resting place, then he has access to give us clearer thoughts. Then he can reveal his will to us. And so... He brought me to the resting place. I really gave it to the Lord. Do you know the difference? Do you? (laughs) I really gave it to the Lord. Well, it was interesting. The next morning, I got up and I faced the battle all over again. You know what I did? I looked at my watch. When I got my watch, I looked at my watch and I thought, when does that propane company open? And I started putting the burden right back on again. I'm going to carry this thing. I've got to get... You know, maybe I can get there before propane, you know, the propane people before the cement truck. And I started to carry, and the Lord called me again. Well, it was interesting. My wife was working on the new article called Thankfulness. Some of you may have read it. And the title was True Thankfulness. One of the things that she addressed in that article was being truly thankful in the circumstances that we can't control, but we can trust God through them. And I saw that laying on my desk. <laughs> and I knew it was a call of the Spirit on my heart again. So I went back in my closet. Are we once saved, always saved? I went back in my closet and I gave it to the Lord. Okay? I found the rest. We're told in Desire of Ages that in perfect acquiescence, isn't that a big word? In perfect acquiescence, That's sort of like being melted in the Lord's hands. In perfect acquiescence, there is perfect rest. And I found that rest there again that morning, and I let it all go. God is big enough, friends, to deal with our problems. I could not deal with it. When the propane company opened, I called in the resting place. Have you ever called in the unresting place what do you mean (laughs) I called in the resting place because it didn't matter what mattered is to stay resting in the Lord and when I called I got a hold of Ron Ron you put the wrong I didn't say that though I was resting And Ron told me 
that they had a new pipe. Isn't this, God is really wonderful, isn't he? Ron said, yeah, I got the message. Uh, David told me exactly what you needed. He said that the new pipe that we have is exactly what you needed. And he told me how many BTUs would blow through it and all this stuff. I said, it's the right pipe? He said, absolutely. It's the new half-inch pipe. And he said, it's exactly what you needed. He never knew I was wrestling. He never knew what I had gone through and that I had to give it to the Lord. But the Lord had already taken care of it. The pipe didn't have to be dug up. I just needed to be educated. That's all. But, brothers and sisters, young people, all of us face these real-life challenges every day in little things, big things. Mostly little things. Very few big things. And here we are. We go through them, and we either go through them in the Spirit of the Lord, resting in Him, or we go through it kicking and screaming, and feeling bad at the other end because he had it all figured out anyway. And all of our kicking and screaming doesn't do us any good, does it? Makes our blood pressure go up, makes us fretful, makes us anxious, makes us intolerant, all those things. God is trying to change our characters. Noah had a character after the similitude of God. And his young people followed him into the ark of safety. Are we going to follow our Savior into the ark of character? One choice at a time, allowing Him to really change us? It's not going to be our character that saves us. It's going to be God that saved us, just like He saved Noah in the ark. But we're not going to be saved if we refuse to allow Him to transform our character. We're not going to repeat the great controversy again. Do you know that, friends? Do you believe that? This is the only time this is going to happen. There isn't going to be a rerun up in heaven where, you know, somebody pops up and says, no, I think I want to be like the Most High. This is all dealt with now, friends. Now is the time. Probation is given to us. Character. Building it for eternity. Are we willing to let God have complete access to us. Is this what our lives are about or is this experience of character building secondary to the real life that we live? See what I'm saying? The devil has turned up the pace of this world. Knowledge has increased. Men run to and fro. Men's hearts failing them for what? Fear for looking what's coming on the earth. The world, this earth, is waxing old as a garment. All of this is coming down to the time that we live in. Are we allowing God to have us in the midst of this busyness? Are we like Jesus, finding a resting place in the midst of the storm when the waves are crashing and the disciples are crying for help and Jesus sleeps in the bottom of the boat? That experience can be found wherever you are tonight. Tonight. So you don't have to move to the country. You can find it tonight. Do you believe that? Amen. The demoniacs came screaming, raging towards the disciples. Where did the disciples go? They ran. Jesus met them. 
And he calmed the storm in those men's hearts. And he will do that tonight. Right where we are. He can reach us wherever we are. But country living is a tool for God to reach us more readily, keep us more steadily, and to have access to our hearts full time. Now it's not that he can't reach us in the city lifestyle. And don't be discouraged if you find yourself there. But I tell you tonight, don't be afraid to let God move you. I have, I have heard so many stories of people who gave themselves, who didn't have a penny, and God has moved them to a country setting and found them a quiet place to be still and know God. He is the God of all flesh, and there's nothing too hard for Him. I know people who have been in debt, and God has taken them in their debt and moved them into a country setting, had land donated to them, and they have a very successful, thriving business today. They had $5 in their billfold when they met the man when their car broke down and he gave them a piece of property. <laughs> gave them a piece of property. God's arm is not short. Amen. But we need to exercise faith like Noah did. Instead of saying, but it's never rained before. Nobody's going to give me a piece of property. Well, they don't have to give you a piece of property. God has other ways. God can do a thousand things that we don't know if we're willing to do God's will. That's the God that we serve, friends. Do you believe that? It's the God who has given Jesus Christ, given all heaven, that we might be with him where he is. Do you think he could give you a piece of property if he needed to? Now, he won't give you a piece of property if he has other means to do it. He didn't give us a piece of property. But do you know that he gave us a piece of property that at the time we got it was $18,000 valued on the market? And we didn't have $18,000. We had $6,000. And God gave us that piece of property for $6,000. And we didn't tell the people we only had $6,000. We just told the Lord. God can do whatever he needs to do if we're willing to believe that he can do what he needs to do. Is that good news? We're building character for how long? And we're building character for eternal life, not eternal death. Aren't we? Let's kneel together as we close. Oh, Father in heaven, we're a lot like your people Israel. We're very stiff-necked many times. We're stubborn. We're ignorant. We're frail. We're weak. We think we know better. Oh, Lord, you're so merciful towards us. And you've shown us how much you love us over and over. And you continue to draw us with a tender, loving hand. Oh, Lord, I pray that whatever there might be between any of us and our souls and you, Lord, that we would be willing to open ourselves up before you. We want to go home and be where you are. You've provided the way for us. You've made provision for our salvation 
And you just long for us to accept by faith the things that many times we're afraid to exercise faith in. Oh Lord, tonight as we kneel before you, I pray that each one of my brothers and sisters and the young people that are here, that we would personally be sensitive to the call of your Spirit upon our hearts. That we would recognize the solemn time that we live in, the opportunity that you've given us right now to prepare for eternity, to have a character that will endure throughout eternity. That we will not squander our probationary time, Lord, and that we would encourage one another in this Christian walk. And that we would allow you to change us right in our homes as men, as women, husbands, wives, children. And that we would live transparent lives before you. That the character that we reflect will soon be the character of the lovely Jesus. Because we know that you're waiting for, for a reflection, a reproduction of the character of Christ in your people, and then you will come and claim us as your own. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.